Welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast Season 2, Episode 26 in the Book of Daniel, the interpretation of Daniel's answered prayer, the 70 weeks of years. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary, how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. Today in this 26th episode of the Book of Daniel in Chapter 9, before Daniel had even finished his prayer, God was already answering the prayer and sends the mighty angel Gabriel, who stands before God, to reply directly to Daniel, as Daniel was treasured by God. All right, let's go to Daniel chapter 9, starting at verse 20. While I was speaking, praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my petition before the Lord my God concerning the holy mountain of my God, while I was praying, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the first vision, reached me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. He gave me this explanation. Daniel, I've come now to give you understanding. At the beginning of your petitions, an answer went, an answer went out, and I have come to give it, for you are treasured by God. So consider the message and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to bring the rebellion to an end, to put a stop to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. No one understand this. From the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler will be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks, and it will be rebuilt with a plaza and a moat, but in difficult times. After those 62 weeks, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the coming ruler will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come with a flood. Until the end, there will be war. Desolations are decreed. He will make a firm covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and offering, and the abomination of desolation will be on the wing of the temple until the decreed destruction is poured out on the desolator. All right, back to verse 20. While I was speaking, praying, confessing my sin and the sins of my people Israel, and presenting my petition before the Lord my God concerning the holy mountain of my God. So we see here that God shows his concern for Daniel and the people of Israel at the end of the 70 years of exile, and specifically answers Daniel's prayer for the people of God. Notice that Daniel was confessing the sin of the people and confessing his own sin. This great saint of God was still very much concerned about his own sins before God. So his prayer of adoration, confession, and repentance are always what believers must bring before God, and God honors that. Verse 21, While I was praying, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the first vision, reached me on my extreme, in my extreme weariness, about the time of the evening offering. Now Gabriel is called a man in this narrative because to Daniel he appears in human form. This is the same angel Gabriel as was seen in the earlier vision in chapter 8. Gabriel is a divine messenger and appears in human form before also Zechariah and Mary, the mother of Jesus. In Luke chapter 1 verse 18, how can I know this, Zechariah asked the angel, for I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. 
and also in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now the message that Gabriel brings to Daniel was just as important as those pronouncements. Gabriel reaches Daniel about the time of the evening offering. Although some translations have Gabriel coming in a swift flight, it is better translated as in my weariness, meaning Daniel's weariness. From the New English translation, we have translation notes that state that the Hebrew expression mu'afa'af is very difficult. The issue is whether the verb derives from af to fly or from ya'af to be weary. Many ancient versions and modern commentators take the first of these possibilities and understand the reference to be the swift flight of the angel Gabriel to coming to Daniel. But the words are more likely referring to the extreme weariness, not of the angel, but of Daniel. So the translation of the Hebrew expression is better rendered as weariness. The evening sacrifice would have been between 3 and 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Now, this was followed in exile as a time of prayer, this, uh, this uh, evening sacrifice. It wasn't followed in actuality, but it was included as a time of prayer until the restoration of the temple. Verse 22. He gave me this explanation, Daniel, I've come now to give you understanding. So this was the role of the messenger from God to give Daniel this understanding of what was to come specifically because he was praying about the restoration of the temple in Jerusalem. Verse 23, at the beginning of your petitions, an answer went out, and I have come to give, you, give it, for you are treasured by God. So consider the message and understand the visions. So. Daniel's fervent prayer of adoration, confession, and petition touched the heart of God from the beginning of his starting his prayer, and Gabriel himself was sent to give Daniel understanding. Now, the Hebrew word for treasured is humadah, which is someone or something precious or treasured. All of God's children are precious to him, and Daniel was to carefully consider the message from Gabriel and to understand it. Now comes four of the most controversial verses in Scripture in the interpretation of the 77s, and we'll try to give it justice. Do the 70 weeks represent 70 times 7 years, being 490 years? Now Daniel divides the 77s in seven sevens, 62 sevens, and a final 7. So if this is years, when do they start and when do they end? Some popular ideas do not line up with historical events depending on what event you may want to tie it with. We have to discount anything that creates a historical inaccuracy when we're trying to figure out the timing. Others think this could be a symbolic time frame. Now that's not likely as most interpretations of a symbolic nature are highly subjective. As with most prophecy, the best view is the literal view, and this is being a literal set of years ending with Christ's second coming. The first 49 years, the seven sevens, begin with the command to rebuild Jerusalem and terminates with the completion of the temple 49 years later. The 62 sevens, or 434 years, extend from those first 49 years 
until Christ's first coming, either his baptism in AD 26 or Christ's presentation of himself as the Messiah on Palm Sunday in AD 32 or 33. After this, Christ was rejected by Israel, and so then begins the time of the Gentiles. This does not count in the 77s. We see that God is focused on his people for 2,000 years, and for the last 2,000 years, God is focused on the Gentiles, although, again, many, many Jewish believers are in this present age. But the last seven, the last seven weeks is coming where God, again, will deal with Israel in a very special manner thus beginning the final seven years. This last seven is a terrible time of tribulation for Israel and the world. Many countless people, both in Israel and beyond, will come to a saving faith, and many will be executed for it. In Romans chapter 11, verse 25, Paul talks about the hope for his people. I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you will not be conceited. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And then this way, all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion and he will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Regarding the gospel, they are enemies for your advantage. But regarding election, they are loved because of the patriarchs since God's gracious gifts and calling are irrevocable. In Zechariah 12, 10, and 11, it says, On that day I will set out to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem, and they will look at me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for him as one weeps for a firstborn. On that day, the morning in Jerusalem will be as great as the morning of Hadad Rimon in the plain of Megiddo. And then the first verse in chapter 13. On that day, a fountain will be opened for the house of David and for the residents of Jerusalem to wash away sin and impurity. God cares for his people. The final seven years will be terminated by Christ's second coming and establish his earthly kingdom for the millennium period that will lead to an internal state with a new earth, a new Jerusalem at the end of the millennium. Let's see what Gabriel tells Daniel here. Verse 24, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to bring the rebellion to an end, to put a stop to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. In Hebrew, the term weeks is indefinite. and the number seven, as in 70 weeks, the weeks are not really specified. And they can be years, they can be days, months are indefinite. However, the requirements of the text require years as the 77s. The Hebrews are very familiar with the concept of seven years and seven days. Because at the seven, end of seven years, you had a required sabbatical to give the land rest, which is a requirement from God. And then you had, at the end of seven days, the Sabbath. Then the, had, they had the 70 years of captivity. And that 70 years of captivity gave the land a rest in order to make up for the Sabbath years that were not honored. Now, only two types of sevens are mentioned in Scripture, seven days and seven years. 
In this context, only seven years remain to fit this narrative. God was cutting out 490 years of history for a very specific purpose. In this case, Gabriel tells Daniel that this time is carved out for your people and the holy city. This was a very specific answer to Daniel's prayer for his people and Jerusalem. God's purpose in the 77th is then listed for us. That is to bring the rebellion to an end, to put a stop to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up visions and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. This will affect all of the world, not just Israel. God will finish the rebellion against him. He will finish sin. Sin will be controlled during the millennial period, but finished at the end of that time with a final outcome Uh, what is the second half of Armageddon when all rebellion is then removed. The atonement for iniquity was atoned by Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, and his blood is the covering for all sin for all those who believe. The rebellion and sin were atoned for by Christ, and all the blessings of the coming kingdom have been made possible by what Christ accomplished on the cross, as stated by Stephen Miller. The end of the 77s will bring an everlasting righteousness and continue for eternity. To seal up vision and prophecy is best stated by John Whitcomb, who says, Since Christ in all his glory will be present with his people during the millennial period, there will be no further need for visions and prophecies. To anoint the most holy place may refer to the spiritual temple that it is the life of believers, or... Even more likely, this could be the literal temple of God in Jerusalem, which would be the temple that Ezekiel describes in chapters 40 to 48. This temple would be built and consecrated for service at the onset of the millennial period. As Herbert Leopold eludes, all the good things that God has promised to his people are perfectly realized. Verse 25. No one understand this from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until an anointed one, the ruler, will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be rebuilt with a plaza and a moat, but in difficult times. Here the 77s is divided into three groups. The seven sevens and the 62 sevens will conclude with the coming of the anointed one. Here is the answer to Daniel's prayer for the end of the desolation of Israel and Jerusalem. This is what he was to know and understand. The beginning point is the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Now that is argued because Cyrus issues a decree in 538 BC. This decree allowed the Jewish exiles to leave Babylon and go back to rebuild the temple, but not specifically to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. In Ezra 1, 1 1-4, in the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah, The Lord roused the spirit of King Cyrus to issue a proclamation throughout his entire kingdom and put it in writing. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says, The Lord, the God of heavens, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a house at Jerusalem and Judah. Any of his people among you, may his God be with him, and may he go to Jerusalem and Judah and build the house of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is Jerusalem. Let every survivor, wherever he resides, be assisted by the men of that region with silver, gold, goods, and livestock, along with a freewill offering for the house of God in Jerusalem. 
In fact, Jerusalem was still in ruins 100 years later, even though the temple was rebuilt and worship had been restored. There was much opposition from surrounding enemies for the reconstruction of Jerusalem. There was a second decree of Artaxerxes I in 445 BC, which was a specific decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4, Then the king asked me, What is your request? So I prayed to, to the God of heavens and answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, send me to Judah and to the city where my ancestors are buried, so that I may rebuild it. The king with the queen seated beside him asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you return? So I gave him a definite time, and it pleased the king to send me. Verse 7, I also said to the king, If it pleases the king, let me have letters written to the governors of the region west of the Euphrates River, so that they will grant me safe passage until I reach Judah. And let me have a letter written to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, so that he will give me timber to rebuild the gates of the temple's forests, fortresses, the city wall, and the home where I will live. The king granted my request, for the gracious hand of my God was on me. Now the first decree to rebuild the temple seems to be the most likely event that starts the 77s, and that is in 458 BC. Now that's because of the nature of returning the people to Jerusalem. Now the anointed one would come 483 years later, being the addition of the 62 sevens and the seven sevens, or 434 years plus 49 years. The anointed one is the word in Hebrew, Messiah, meaning a king or a priest. The anointed one would be someone who could be either a king or a priest, or perhaps both. The anointed one, the ruler that could be king and priest, was obviously Jesus Christ who becomes the Messiah. The atoning of sin would come through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ, all in God's timing. From 458 BC, we had 483 years and we come to AD 26, which most scholars understand to be the year that Christ was baptized and begins his public ministry as the Messiah. He was anointed for ministry at that time. Because as he was baptized, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him, and a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. So 49 years after 458 B.C., at the end of the seven sevens would be 409 B.C., most likely that event was the end of Nehemiah's work to rebuild the city. We know from the Elephantine papyri that Nehemiah was no longer the governor in AD 407, so his work had ended very close to that timing. This verse also tells us that Jerusalem will be rebuilt with a plaza and moat. Most all occupied incorporated towns and cities had plaza, and this word for moat can also be used for the word conduit. And even though Jerusalem never had a moat, perhaps this refers to the water system of Jerusalem, which was very complex. Now the times of trouble were certainly bore out during Nehemiah's struggles with rebuilding the walls and the city. Please note that in Nehemiah. 
Verse 26, after those 62 weeks, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the coming ruler will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end will come with a flood. Until the end, there will be war, desolations are decreed. So 434 years later, the anointed one begins ministry, but he would be cut off. This was to be removed from life or loss of life. We see that in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep silent before her shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment. And who will consider his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. He was assigned a grave with the wicked but was with a rich man at his death because he had done no violence and he had not spoken deceitfully. All these things came true. And this was over 600 plus years before Christ that Isaiah prophesied the Messiah's death and the fact that he would be cut off. He had accomplished what he had set out to accomplish, the salvation for mankind. Once again, Daniel is told the city and the temple will be destroyed again. Now, we know the Romans destroyed the city in AD 70, almost exactly 40 years after Christ's crucifixion. Now, Christ had already predicted this was coming in Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. As Jesus left and was going out of the temple, his disciples came up and called his attention to its buildings. He replied to them, Do you see all these things? Truly, I tell you, not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down. And the temple lies in ruins to this day. Verse 27, He will make a firm covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and offering, and the abomination of desolation will be on a wing of the temple until the decreed destruction is poured out on the desolator. So now we come to the 70th week, the last seven years of the time that is yet to start, or at least we think it's yet to start. This is a seven-year period immediately prior to the second coming of Christ. So there must be some time between the end of the 69th 7 and the 70th 7. Daniel's prayer was specifically about the restoration of Jerusalem and the people, and he got that answer. After the 69th 7, the Jewish people dispersed throughout the world. But we all know in 1948, in one single day, the nation of Israel was reestablished, and the people are continuing to return. This tells us that the beginning of the 70th 70th seven is very soon. This covenant in the 70th seven is made by the Antichrist, the, the people, the prior people that destroyed Jerusalem. This matches the little horn as described in chapter 7. The ruler of this last empire and the persecutor of God's people. And it says in the middle of that covenant with Israel, that covenant is broken, and the Antichrist will put an end to sacrifice and offering. Now, this is the great tribulation period. This period of time is mentioned throughout Scripture and should be taken quite literally. Now, the temple is not in the original Hebrew. In fact, it quite literally says, On the wing of abominations will come one who destroys. That comes from the New English translation notes. So we don't know if a temple is in place at this time or not. The Hebrew word naf or wing is very unclear. We know that God will then at the end of this great tribulation 
pour out destruction on the desolator, the Antichrist. Now, I apologize that the length of this episode, there's so much to cover, and I probably didn't cover it quite well enough. But I hope you enjoy this Season 2 study in the book of Daniel. Next episode 27, we get into chapter 10, and we study Daniel's final vision. God bless you today, and I encourage you to spend time in God's Word. Please note again that Biblical Tapestry has a Facebook and Instagram page. I encourage you to like and share this podcast if you feel this deserved. God bless, and be well.